0: Welcome to Everybody Loves Communism, the leftist history and theory podcast where we do the reading so you don't have to. I'm Jamie Peck, and I would like to introduce our new co-host today. So, unfortunately, sad news. Aaron had to quit the project. He's dealing with some personal issues, but he wants me to keep it going, and I want to keep it going with his blessing. So, you know, you can't keep a good commie down. Um, I have a new co-host today. His name is Jorge. He is my friend. He is Line Goes Down on Twitter, and I know him from organizing in DSA as well as in my capital reading group that I'm a part of, and that is all the information I am authorized to give you about Jorge right now. Say what's up, Jorge.
1: What's up, Jorge? (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right, we're off to a very auspicious start, I can see. Um, yeah, welcome to the project. I'm so glad that you um, wanted to step in and fill, you know, some pretty big shoes and do this with me.
1: Yeah, I'm very glad to be here, Jamie. Thank you so much for bringing me on. And I'm hoping that the audience is not worried about a sudden change in co host But, you know, I hope to earn the right to be the, the co-host of this project along with you.
0: You are doing it already. And don't worry. If you piss me off, I will just Photoshop you out of the pictures, just like Stalin did to what's his name. Yeah, like I don't even know his name. He's so canceled.
1: <laughs> I think I think if I remember correctly, I think he was the person in charge of the the Gulag project, or uh, or was, was was involved in NKVD or like the purges. So I don't I don't know his name either off the top of my head, but that from my understanding, that's what the deal was. That that's
0: so. what you fucking get. <laughs> Lesson learned. So all right. I realize we've had a little bit of a break in the programming while we were, you know, shifting things around, figuring out like what we're gonna do and who's gonna do it. But today we're gonna jump right back into State and Revolution. Um, but before we get into the actual text, we're gonna li- give a little bit of historical background for chapter two because it was written heavily referencing things Marx wrote about the French revolution of 1848 to 1851. So, uh, without further ado, Jorge is going to kick it off and then we're going to go back and forth telling you a little bit of history of what those crazy French people were doing that led Marx to write all that stuff about it. And that led Lenin to ultimately draw certain conclusions.
1: Oh, thank you, Jamie. Yeah. Um, as Jamie just mentioned, we need to talk about, before we kind of get into Chapter 2 of State and Revolution, we do need to kind of have some context, historical context, as to what led to the events of the Revolution of 1848 and the subsequent election of Napoleon Louis Bonaparte. And so we need to start actually right at the end of the Napoleonic era of France. Basically, at 1815, basically there was like, you know, Napoleon lost, he's a loser, so on. He's a like, loser. Loser. So, and then there was a, you know, there was a Vienna Congress where there's a decision to be made of, uh, essentially, restore the House of Bourbon, who was who was in power for 100 days, uh, or at least before the 100 days of, of of Napoleon when he came back the second time, like Michael Jordan. And, like, the person who was the, uh, in charge of that, of the House of Bourbon, was King Louis the 18th. And he came back, as I mentioned, after the Congress of Vienna. And in, in many ways, he was a kind of a compromise candidate. You know, he accepted the 1814 Charter uh, that was established um, shortly after Napoleon lost the first time. Um, he accepted the Napoleonic Code, the Napoleon created in terms of the laws of France, but also he accepted the changes in property relations that existed by Napoleon's rule. Um, although he still believed in the divine right of kings, you know, he still thought that God put him on this earth to rule France. And but. It's important to note before we move on that, you know, during this period of time that there existed this faction that was known as the ultras, now, not not ultra-leftists, ultra-conservatives.
0: Yeah, they're not reading end notes, folks.
1: Yeah. So, and these people thought that King Louis XVIII did not go far enough in terms of his rule. They thought he should have total, absolute monarchist, you know, decree left and right. No one should have any other power. And so, you know, that was, you know, basically there was the rule of, you know, King Louis XVIII from 1815 to 1824 until...
0: King Louis XVIII dies owned and his Damn. ultra brother takes over, Charles X, who is much more of an ultra than he is. And once again, folks, I'm talking about ultra conservatives, not the people who fuck with communization theory. So this guy, this fucking guy, right? He favored these landed aristocratic interests over those of the urban liberal bourgeoisie. So basically you know caping for feudalism at a time when capitalism was on the rise um his advisors were all ultras surprise surprise and uh they decided oh we're gonna pay the aristocrats for their property losses so like you know maybe they can't prevent the tide of this shift of history that's happening but they're like we're gonna do whatever we can to take care of these um you know these bejeweled perverts in their castles so um The throne and the altar alliance, i.e. the church and the state, uh, that became way more out in the open, like, hey, we're friends, get over it. Um, They censored the press. They also abolished the National Guard, which was, um, for the most part, made up of the middle class. Um, He also really leaned heavily on the divine right of kings, even going as far as to claim that he could cure scrofula. Simply by the laying on of hands and...
1: What's gruff you like, Jamie?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I too had that question and I looked it up. And as far as I can tell, it's basically consumption. It, tuberculosis. Consumption is just tuberculosis. It says, um, let's see. It's a disease. It appears in... Uh, and a lot of burial registers as the cause of death. It was an old timey, like they didn't know what the fuck shit was back then. Um,
1: Scrofula sounds like kind of like the name of like a, like a minor character in some shitty fanfic of like a fanfic spinoff of like a vampire film or something. Like, Like that's what they die of.
0: Yeah, well, it was known, uh, according to my Google search just now, it was known as the king's evil in Europe, where the royal touch was believed to cure the disease until the 18th century. Well. <laughs> but it was basically a form of tuberculosis. That's, cra- sure. that's
1: crazy, That's crazy because like 18th century, that was before the 1800s, so that's like, he brought it back. He's like, it's like, no one's even thinking that at that point.
0: I could talk about scrofula all day, but um, let's keep it moving. I think a running theme throughout this podcast, as we do a little thing called historical materialism, mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, spoiler alert, it's the material conditions, stupid. Right. So what happens in 1826? What happens that could be moving things along? Is it that, oh, some some nobleman got some specific ideas in their heads that they dreamed up out of nowhere? hmm is it that some peasants got ideas in their heads that they dreamed about out of nowhere? Or could it be mm. that in 1826, there was a bad harvest?
1: One could say that maybe when you can't eat, you're going to get real mad about it. You're going to get big mad about not eating.
0: Yeah. I mean, I get big mad when I'm hungry, even if I've eaten earlier in the day. Right. So I fucking get it. Like, I'm hungry. Um, like, I just had to eat a piece of pizza before we started recording. So I, so I wouldn't be too mad to record. So like this is this is real folks. So this bad harvest leads to all sorts of other shit. So in 1827 you got a distressed urban economy and what do people do when they're mad? They vote in the opposition party. So this leads to more liberals being in power after these elections.
1: Yeah, and then you know after these elections, you know, as we mentioned before, Charles the 10th was an ultra, you know, he was ultra conservative.
0: Ultras.
1: And you know in July of 1830, he was, you know, not very happy about, you know, the opposition who at this time were the liberals being in power. So he's like, no, I'm going to do a coup. I want to have more power. I'm going to try to be an absolute monarchist. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to share any of the power. And so, you know, there was immediate pushback from different groups and, you know, famous people, you had liberals, you had nationalists, even some socialists were upset about this. And famous people who got mad were like Victor Hugo, you know, like the famous author there was Marquis de Lafayette who was, you know, the uh, war hero. That people might know if they remember from their high school history class, if you're American, of the person who was from France that helped the America revolution.
0: And that all those streets are named after. Yeah. Huh? Huh? I was just on Lafayette Street downtown. Do not drive on Lafayette Street uh, during rush hour. Yeah. Side note, um, not to be confused with the Marquis de Sade, of course, whose position in all this was a little bit more complicated. Yeah, But we don't really have to we don't have to get into that right now. Maybe that's a little a little sexy bonus material for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be to be determined when we get that out. Um,
0: Anytime we come across something that appeals to my gothic sensibilities, it's just going to be a bonus. That's true. Sorry. There's also going to be a bonus on Scrofula.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll find out, we'll find, we'll go to the root of what Scrofula is and who, who who would what was Scrofula and was it the COVID of its time?
0: (laughs) Oh, fuck.
1: So essentially going back to, you know, uh, what happened with after the coup, people were very upset about, you know, Charles X attempting this coup.
0: Libs mad, yo.
1: Yeah, the liberals essentially in turn offered this other person who was also a kind of a compromise candidate as well, was a, a person by the name of Louis-Philippe, who was the Duke d'Orléans, like the Duke of Orleans, like, you know, he, and uh, put him up as king. And, you know, King Louis-Philippe, you know, because he wanted he was king, he wanted to reign, and he wanted to rule. and sent, In other words, he wanted to be this figure of France. He wanted to be the king. But he also wanted to say, I'm in charge. But he accepted the compromise of, all right, you can be king, but you got to let us run the country. It's like, fine. I'll let you do that. So he kind of
0: constitutional monarchy, shall we say?
1: Yeah. You know, there was some some real constitutional monarchy, you know, some more limits than it was the case before with Louis the 18th. You know, know. some some there is some, you know, incrementalism involved here, you know, some incremental change. But, you know, there can be said Mm -hmm. some positive aspects. But, you know, of course, as we know, it's not it's not necessarily what we want, but it is a change from an absolute monarch.
0: Find you a government that can do both. Yeah, it's true. We got a little constitution. We got a little monarchy. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a good balance. It's a mix. It's a little yin yang of right. constitution and monarchy.
1: Cutting edge stuff in you know France of 1830. And then you know he reigned from 1830 to 1848. You know he had a good run of it. Right. He was known at the time as the bourgeois king. Ah, oh, so bougie. Yeah, king of the French, not king of France. He was known as king of the French because mm-hmm. he wanted to be viewed as unironically was known as the people's king he wanted to be viewed i'm representing mm-hmm. the people not this i am the state Fucking you know some
0: kale as old as time <laughs>
1: yeah and you know he accepted restraint these constraints as i mentioned before of the constitution onto his power he modernized the infrastructure and expanded secular education so overall he you know liberal bourgeois constitutional monarchy was you know really developing in france but in 1832, the Republicans, you know, and we must remember Republicans being those who build, did not want a monarch in charge of government. They, they wa-
0: wanted a fucking republic.
1: Yeah. And they were very upset. Like, oh, my God, another king? We just got rid of one. And so, you know, they were, and, you know, to be fair, it was a bit more moderate monarchy, but still a monarch. And... They wanted to get rhythm, and so there was this rebellion in the June of 1832. This is known as the June Rebellion. lasted only a few days. And the reason we mention this is a little fun fact that you know this is actually the inspiration. The June Rebellion is the inspiration for Les Mis mm-hmm. by Victor Hugo.
0: I dreamed a dream in days gone by that we had a democratic republic.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. And. Uh, but uh, don't
0: let me keep going. You are correct to cut me off. Don't let me sing. Whatever you do, it's
1: very, 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 very nice, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, and I wanted to add it in because you know, it, most people don't know, including myself. I did not know that, that this was what inspired Lady Ms. Rob. And you know, I thought it was either the French Revolution or the 1848 Revolution. Turns no. out, it was just this li- few this, little this moments. This
0: random thing that maybe doesn't matter. As much as other revolutions in the grand scheme of things.
1: Right. And, you know, but I thought it was interesting to mention, since we are here, we're passing by in this moment in history, we should bring it up. So, funny enough, as we mentioned just not so long ago, a few minutes ago, that a recurring theme is that, you know, when, why did, why, why did the revolution of 1848 happen? Well, 1846, or 1847, that period of time, another poor harvest.
0: I was gonna say, I'll take poor harvest for a hundred.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a killer. It just famines, folks. It's it's not good.
0: I it's, mean, people get really cranky when they're hungry, yeah. as disgust.
1: People, people die. People will get, and people, people get also big mad when you know their their, their sister or brother or the cousin dies or the parents die of hunger.
0: No, it's, it's a, yeah, and you know what. The king laying on his hands for the scrofula—it didn't even work. No, all right. They're like that doesn't fucking work. Stop saying it.
1: Yeah, it's like this is not—that's real played out. That's so—that was so 18th century.
0: That's like hydroxychloroquine is now. You know, we've moved on to the <laughs> horse paste, folks. It's uh, that's like so last year.
1: Yeah. So, eight, <laughs> so uh, 1847. What do you think happened after the poor harvest, Jamie?
0: I'll take urban depression for another 100. Who
1: can say that when things happen in the, you know, oh, things can't grow and then it starts moving out into the cities. Oh, that affects that too. Oh, my God. Look at that.
0: I mean, look, the food's got to come from somewhere. It's true. It's got to go to the cities because there's a lot of people there who need to fucking eat.
1: Who could have thought it was like a domino effect? Mm. Um, But anyway, you know. The nationalists, and important to note, nationalists being this faction of people that are quite conservative, believed in a strong nation. Rule, we need to make France great again, kind of yeah. folks. Like they were not happy with how moderate King Louis-Philippe was. You know, they wanted him to just really go for it. They wanted, no, we don't allow these, these people to tell you what to do. You need to just tell them what to do. And then artisans and urban workers, you know, given what we just said, the, the depressed economy. We're not happy we were very. they wanted jobs and they weren't able to get them and then the middle class you know we mentioned before uh, the slowly growing burgeoning middle class were they wanted jobs and they wanted to vote you know they, they were growing little tiny bourgeois uh, or aspiring bourgeoisie they wanted to be able to vote like the other bourgeoisie mm-hmm. and and you know during this period of time 1847 1848 socialism was starting to become a real phenomenon and <sighs> that's start, our people yeah it's, we're, it's Part of our history is why we're mentioning it. And, Shout you
0: know, out to our boy Proudhon. Proudhon. He was in the mix. It's true. We're going to read him at some point, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, you know, 100%. And so they start to get prominent. So, you know, 1848, what happens?
0: Mm. What happens in 1848 is the February Revolution of 1848. So this was tipped off by, I mean, really, the poor harvest and everything that came before. Um, But that spilled over into disagreement between several different factions, including liberals, nationalists, Republicans, and socialists, against the constitutional monarchy of King Louis-Philippe. Oh, but he tried so hard to please everyone. Kind of
1: a united front, almost, I guess.
0: Mm, kind of a popular front. Um, and, and the government of Prime Minister Francois Guizot. Because remember, folks, it's a constitutional monarchy. So we got, we got your monarch, this King Louis-Philippe, and then we got your prime minister this is doing some vaguely constitutional shit, all right? So this comes to a head when a bunch of shit happens. So the former prime minister, Adolphe Thiers, who is, I guess at this point, more of a liberal... More of a lib than yeah. uh, than Guizot. Uh, he turns against him due to Guizot's opposition to expanding suffrage, letting more people vote. Folks, not women, of course, but no, you know, no. maybe like men who don't own property. That's fine. So also, what do we got? We got poor economic conditions in the rural and urban areas, as discussed. Um, food prices are high. There's not enough to go around. Uh, there's not enough jobs to go around. People are pissed off. So what did what happened then? Um, Guizot, in response to this challenge to his power, um, he banned political banquets that were meant to protest the government's policies. Now you hear banquet today, and you're like, oh, that's like the fundraiser that Pete Buttigieg had yeah, in the wa- cheese cave or whatever. There's nothing uh, nothing uh, subversive about that. But no, these were actually some form of fr- very, extremely French protest. So, uh,
1: These bourgeois, this is bourgeois democracy. These are, you know, the, the rise of the bourgeoisie. I guess you could say this is why it mattered.
0: This is before, you know, before the wine cave banquets uh, jumped the shark and just became completely appropriated by <laughs> the uh, neoliberal ruling class. These, like, you know, banquets used to be like really cool, badass, like basically like underground punk shows, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Tiers had called one of these banquets, and he was like, you know what, I'll be nice, I'll fucking call it off, all right, because, you know, us prime ministers and former prime ministers got to stick together, but the people still showed up, all right, can't stop them once they got that momentum, but instead of protesting, which is what they were planning to do at this banquet, they decided to do something even crazier, and barricade Paris because French people are based as fuck. It's
1: pretty base. They're like, no, we're actually, we're not just going to be here to just symbolically be here. We're going to be like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna throw down. This is just us. We're just, we're just going to be here now.
0: Yeah, I'll see you. Your, you know, repression of speech and raise you um, th- something that goes beyond speech. And guess what? It fucking worked in this moment. Direct and action. It gets the goods. Direct action gets the goods. King Louis Philippe fled because he was like. You know, he saw the guillotines, he fuck. saw the writing on the wall. Fuck He's this, like, I'm out. Fuck this. I'm out. Sacre bleu. I gotta get the fuck out of here. I can't do a French accent, sorry. So anyway, what happens after that? The liberal the liberal opposition, they came together and they organized the second republic in this uh power vacuum left by, you know, these just average everyday people, you know, the real the real movers and shakers of history, uh getting getting that king out of there when that fucking lib. You know, Tierras, he didn't do that. The yeah, he wasn't did that. there.
1: In the, he wasn't there in the trenches with them. He wasn't there barricading no, with them.
0: He was not. So, yeah, uh, the liberal opposition came together. They organized the Second Republic. So, some of the questions floating around at this time, uh, there were a lot of different different ideas. So, we had some moderate ideas. We had some radical ideas. They both came from 1789. Like, uh, so on the one hand, limited suffrage liberalism, right? We just got. A little bit of democracy. A
1: little tiny democracy, but, you know, we got to have our capitalism, of course. The
0: the French can have little A democracy as a treat. Then we have universal suffrage democracy, which is, you know, still not the best thing in the world, but certainly a step in the right direction.
1: All the men get get, get to vote. You know, not women, but all men.
0: Yeah. And then we have another idea floating around, which is, you know, probably our favorite, I would say.
1: Yeah, I guess so. You could say that.
0: Socialism. Socialism, folks.
1: Folks, folks. uh, New new policy just dropped.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. We got a provisional government that's running shit right now known as the Revolutionary Committee. I'm going to put that in scare quotes because, like, I mean, yeah, it's a bourgeois revolution, whatever. But, I mean, it was a revolution. You could say that. Yeah, it was a bourgeois revolution of sorts. It it was. It was. So, um, this committee had... Three different, all of these three different positions were represented, and they decided on, uh, what do you know? They decided on the middle, the middle one, the compromise one, which is to say universal male suffrage, a bourgeois democracy, and a system of national workshops, a little job guarantee. So we got a little social democracy in, in there.
1: Right. You got to fix the, you know, you got to do some unemployment relief, you know, help get people to back to work and make sure people are not as mad, let mm-hmm. them make, make them less mad.
0: So, yeah, so this is uh, all the ingredients, uh, a a lot of different signifiers here that this is basically a bourgeois revolution, which is to say one that ushers in a form of capitalist, scare quotes, democracy. Because as we all know, you don't got democracy in the workplace. Nope. So, okay, they held some elections. The libs got into power even more than they had been. Um, but, oh, what's happening now? There's these radicals, these socialists, these workers who want to take it all the way and make it things even more democratic. And lives are like, oh, 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 no, no, that's that's not what we meant. Let's not go too far yeah, with hold this. Hold on, hold
1: on, hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: So th- what did they do? They organized themselves around the party of order, which was a throwback to our boy, Louis Philippe.
1: Yeah, we, we need to go roll it back a bit, and it's like, hold on, okay, we we, we went a bit too far. We went a bit too far it was like you know because the national workshops, y'all are wor- getting power, workers are getting power. Oh, I don't like that. I don't, we don't like mm. we don't like this. So we want to roll it back a bit.
0: Libs through the ages. All right, so the conservatives now at this time. They saw what was going on. They were in the minority, but, you know, they, they cohered their power, Mitch McConnell style, and they forced these national workshops to close. They're like, hey, Ooh. hey, guys, oh, you want a job? You want to sign up to be exploited so you can make money to buy food with? Well, too bad. You don't even get to do that. Yeah,
1: not even that. Not even, the, not even the, the privilege of being exploited. You don't get that. Like,
0: bitch, I don't even want a job, okay? So what happened? What happened fucking two days later on June 23rd? We had a little thing called the June Days Uprising. Now, this could probably also be a bonus, but we're going to go through it real quick. So it was an unsuccessful attempt, unfortunately, by the workers to take even more power in response to this um, repression from really the, the right and the center. Yep. So this marks the end of a truly... Or even vaguely Democratic Republic for the, now. Well,
1: I get the dream of one, better say. Yeah,
0: yeah sure. Um, and the libs in this case, they they just ended. They ended the radical Republicans as a force for now. Once again, for now, because the French they don't take this shit lying down. Nope. So February 1848, um, you got the workers and the petty bourgeois. Okay, so yeah, backing up a little bit. Unlike in the Revolution of 1848. Where the workers and the petty bourgeoisie they work together to end the reign of the king, which makes sense, right? They all want to shift from feudalism to capitalism. Right, right. Uh, in this June Day, June Day's uprising, uh, when workers are like, "Hey, we want even more democracy," uh, the libs and the aristocracy work together to put down the workers. Hmm, makes you think. Wow,
1: I wonder how that. I wonder why that occurred in that way. In like along lines of material interest
0: scratch a liberal and a monarchist bleeds folks all right um and the, you know we see this today with macron there's gonna be a lot of macron parallels coming up
1: yeah well, the person we we're about to talk about who and it's important to mention you know the june days uprising which is you know a few days of like workers trying to take power um and also the events that subsequently happened with the election on the assembly election later that year in 1848 of a whole you know members of assembly, but most importantly of a specific individual of certain Prince Louis-Napoleon, who was the cousin of Napoleon. All all these events from 1848 to 1852 are the inspiration for Karl Marx's 1852 essay, which Lenin quotes from in Chapter 2 of State and Revolution.
0: The The 18th Brumaire of Louis-Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah, and you know, who is this person, though? Know? Who is Louis Napoleon Bonaparte? Well, who is Napoleon? What makes him tick? Is he related to the other Napoleon?
1: Funny enough, he was. And an interesting story regarding that is like, you know, he, he was actually, his actual title was Prince Louis Napoleon, and he was actually a prince. But what's interesting is that shortly after, when the beginning of this episode we mentioned at the end of 1815, there was like the end of Napoleon's reign in France, Prince uh, Louis Napoleon's mother, thought it was a good idea that oh, I'm going to raise this child to one day be like Napoleon to like <laughs> have like total power. And it sounds like an insane thing to raise your children to, but turns out it was actually the correct move.
0: Sure. You always blame the mother, huh?
1: <laughs> I mean, in this case, in a sense of like, it's a, it's a, it, it, it is, it, it doesn't form a sense of like, uh, what are the priorities of like, you know, even at, even at that level of the family, there were the priorities of, like, maintaining this certain class,
0: perpetuating mm-hmm. the
1: class. So he was elected president of France in, eight, in, that, in, later, in that election late, in late 1848. Um, he was a complicated character, one could say. He had a huge range of influences. You know, mo- it was a monarchist influence. What
0: are your influences?
1: Yeah. Like, monarchist influences, liberal, democratic, nationalist and even socialist influences. So you ironically mm-hmm. sometimes would say, oh, I'm a socialist.
0: Yeah, yeah. Him and fucking Obama, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. and Macron. And Macron. Yeah, Macron. Um,
0: Je suis socialiste. Just kidding. Je suis fasciste. Uh,
1: so, and you know, Louis-Napoleon was elected to a four-year non-renewable term. And I, I guess that makes sense. After you had a king, you'd want, no, no more repeats. We want in and out. out one, One and done, right? But... Napoleon doesn't want that. He wants to stay in power. He wants to leave it for longer than four years. So he wanted to do everything he could to do to mean to do that. So in some things he did was like, you know, restore male suffrage, universal suffrage, you know, and other bourgeois rights, include you know, liberalizing the economy, having more urban workers, things of that nature, trying to appeal and make people on his side. Um and try to, you know, try through legislation uh to, you know, basically get rid of the four-year non-renewable term. And he failed. And in fact, in May 1849, conservative legislators were elected, and basically, as kind of a reaction to Louis-Napoleon being in power, they actually ended universal suffrage. They, they were like, no, we can't have everyone vote. That's absurd. Mm.
0: Um, you know, this is making me think maybe the right to vote doesn't matter, because what happens next?
1: Well, <laughs> obviously, Louis-Napoleon saw that that route through legislation could, wasn't, wasn't sufficient, so... He basically was courting, and as mentioned before, but courted urban masses, people also rural masses, but also courted the military. Uh, you got to get the people with the guns on your side. Kind of, you know, initially was like a leftish kind of populist, but then became more of like a right populist, one could say. Kind of all over the place. It seemed like almost as if, like, not, he was really trying to use the people as a as a means for his more power, kind of like Macron in many ways. Um, then as December 1851... And funny enough, there's a self coup. Uh, this is, you could look this up, literally was called Operation Rubicon.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tell me a little bit w- about what a self coup is before we go on.
1: Yeah, so self coup, um, you know, probably the most famous example uh, we can think of in modern history is like what Hitler did in the Nazis. Basically, they were already in power, but they wanted more power. They wanted to, you know, get rid of the existing order that constrained their power, like the pesky constitution. And mm. they did things to kind of expand that power. But an example in our context, in the American context, that is uh, relevant, that was an attempted self-coup, one could say, was like the January 6th situation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Trump wanted to overturn the election, so he yeah. wanted to expand power. Now, he got, was, so
0: he got a bunch of patriots to try to help
1: folks. we so glad to have patriots that love this country like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they're preser- they were preserving bourgeois democracy, all right.
1: Um, but you go back to Napoleon, you know, he, the the self coup they attempted, you know, was, was successful. Important that he did do the self-coup successfully, imprison opponents that were against him, and suppress the workers' revolt. You know, of course, the power vacuum or instability. Workers will be like, no, we want to step up, Mm. and no, that was that wasn't acceptable.
0: Workers Um, cannot catch a break in this. No, not at
1: all. And shortly after, Napoleon dissolved parliament, got 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 rid of the pesky parliament that was preventing him expanding power. And then called for a new referendum. This new referendum, meaning that this referendum had universal suffrage. Everyone could vote. Who was a man? No, not yeah. women. Right. No, who's a, who everyone <laughs> Let's could,
0: not go crazy, all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: of course. But it's like, you know, only, only men could vote. But all men could vote in this new referendum. Basically asking, I want to create a new government. And I want to have a 10-year presidency. This, you know, Napoleon had this new referendum.
0: He, he Bloomberged his way to power. Yeah, and
1: the referendum was successful. It happened.
0: And then next year,
1: 1852, they said, actually, let's have another referendum.
0: Yeah, the first one went really well. Yeah. It's like referendum on referendum. Yeah. It's so like momentum. You
1: know, you know what? Let's have another one. Let's have the uh, make, uh, make France Great Again referendum. And
0: now now it was called the referendum for reestablishing the empire which is uh, that means the exact same thing go on
1: Yeah this is actually what it was called this is not like literally what's called referendum for reestablishing the empire to make and,
0: France great again
1: And created and a, this referendum was held and it did create the empire and then he changed his name to Napoleon III Want to know the results of the election Jamie Tell them to me 7.8 million in favor and 250,000 Thousand against.
0: Wow. Like
1: ninety six percent of democracy people
0: Democracy in action, folks.
1: Ninety six percent of people in France in eighteen fifty two who were men that voted wanted like, to reestablish to want France. Fuck,
0: we just want a fucking king and his name's Napoleon. They wanted just Napoleon like back. The
1: old Napoleon. They wanted Napoleon back. Oh uh, yeah. That's yeah, what y- happened. They wanted you know Napoleon what?
0: back. Maybe demo- maybe they don't deserve to vote. Maybe democracy is <laughs> just is a it was a bad idea to begin with. Who can say? It's almost like bourgeois democracy doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things if you want to create true working class power.
1: I mean, like, this is why people say, like, you know, Hitler was elected. Like, yeah, and there's another example before then. It's like mm-hmm. the, the 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 second French empire was literally voted in.
0: Yeah. So what does that mean? Either you can't trust people or maybe there's something wrong with this system that is getting the results that the ruling class wants every single time
1: yeah and it's important to note that you know if you consider the you know if you were an urban worker or a peasant uh, you know during this period of time, think about all these you know these thirty thirty forty years that we just talked about very quickly and it's like half half to forty minutes that we talked about you just saw a king go away then you had an absolute king and so so before then you saw napoleon right then you got a king back then you had like a king trying to get take more power mm-hmm. then you had constitutional monarchy then you had like a Liberal democracy, basically. You went through all these different forms of government. And say you say we were around since, like, the past 40 years of your life. And, and the best period you can remember mm. was the glorious Napoleon. Mm-hmm. And they well, at least things were good. Things were good back then.
0: Yeah, we all had enough fucking gruel to eat.
1: In their minds, they thought... We just want stability, and then we want we have Napoleon yeah, back.
0: Yeah, I get it. And to be fair, like, it wasn't like there were any good options.
1: No, no, there weren't. <laughs>
0: like, it was either him or, like, some fucking ultras. Yeah, and,
1: you know, why did we talk about all this? Also remind, you know, we said this in the beginning, but we're going to say it again. We did all of this to kind of give context to, for the next episode, the second chapter of Stay in Revolution, because... Which that, is called the experience of the revolutions of 1848 to 51, which we kind of gave some context on and how it began. Because this period of time, Karl Marx was alive for. He was alive throughout at least the past 20 years we talked about.
0: Our boy. Our boy was there. He was taking notes, paying attention. Yeah.
1: And if you saw, like, you know, you got rid of a king and you put a second French Republic, if, you know, during this period of time, Marx was still kind of had, like, oh, yeah, like, for sure, you know, was socialist, but, like, you know, was it was sympathetic to still some liberal ideas. Mm-hmm. Then, like, then you see all of this happen, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. It all just falls apart.
0: Yeah. It's almost like um, the workers are being used as pawns right. every step of the way by various... Members of the ruling class, whether we're talking about the old ruling class, the feudal aristocracy, or this new rising ruling class, the capitalist class, the boss class, and just just using them, using their hunger, using their anger for their own power, for their own ends, every single time. And all that shit, all that shit they said about bourgeois rights, you know, liberté, égalité, fraternité, no, socialism is like that, but for real.
1: Yeah, and it it is informative because and we'll talk about this in when we talk about the second chapter but you know there was the poverty of philosophy that Karl Marx wrote in response to Proudhon's book The Philosophy of Poverty that was in 1847 and Owned. and in in a few months <laughs> after that there was the famous Communist Manifesto that was written and then there was the revolution of 1848 and then so there were thoughts that Marx had Marx and Engels had before the revolution of 1848 then the revolution happened and all of the things that happened regarding louis napoleon and then the establishment of the empire that experience changed their perspective as to what is the relationship the proletariat should have with respect to the state and what revolution looks like for workers and the proletariat
0: boom and you know what he did that he synthesized these things based on reality based on facts based on the material facts of history, unlike a lot of other political philosophers at the time. And, you know, unfortunately, this continues to this day where their proof for something is, like, I just made this shit up mm-hmm. because I said so.
1: Yeah, facts don't care about your feelings, folks.
0: Exactly. I think that's a very good place to leave it. I agree. So I hope everybody has found this informative and... Perhaps your whistle is now whetted to hear us talk about Chapter Two of State and Revolution by our boy Lenin. Tune in next time. Till next time, do the reading. Do the reading.
2: I dreamed a dream and-